Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dan's Talks is Audrey Flack, one of America's great painters. Her works are in the permanent collection of many museums. She's at the Whitney, MoMA, the Met, the Guggenheim. She's world famous. And uh, one of the reasons is because the early works that she did pioneered super realism in, 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 the, in the world. And Audrey, tell me a little bit about uh, how that came about in your mind that, that something that should be painted should be so exactly photographic you could hardly tell the difference. Well, it evolved. Photorealism for me evolved. I was, uh, I was a, an abstract expressionist. You know, Dan, I came out to East Hampton a little after Pollock, but not much. And I rented a little shack on, on Neck Pass. Remember Neck Pass, right? Yeah. And uh, the shack was on stilts. It was tiny, it was one room. Uh, and uh, anyhow, I was an abstract expressionist. That's what I cut my teeth on. But I had a, a, a deep need to draw always. And I wanted to draw like an old master or an old mistress. And uh, it, it um, over the years, through all my education, uh, I, I resisted Joseph Albers. I left Avex and, and became, got involved with anatomy, drawing, learning, teaching, and became a photorealist. Uh, so if you look at the work, it evolves, evolves. You can see it, it's like a camera coming into focus. Uh, how in the world did you ever learn to paint so fine? So fine? Oh, fine that nice. so how nice. And fine. Well, you know, I, you read Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he's so smart. What is it, 10,000 hours of practice? I see. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work. And I do believe that there's something called talent. And I think that uh, I, I couldn't be a great runner because I don't have the physicality, but I think people have physical abilities and it certainly shows up with athletes. And I have very sharp eyes. Um, and also my brain sees really well. I mean, I'm knocking wood, but I see things, you know, I see things that other people don't see. And maybe if, if 
you know, I struggled, I could run faster. And maybe if they struggled, they could see better. But I think there are certain abilities that people have that if you go with, if you have the, the passion, you, you do it, Dan, like the way you write, right? Yep. You got to do it. <laughs> That's the way it is. What caused you to segue into sculpture? Oh, my God, that is a major question. You know, I got to a point where I did what I had to do with photorealism. And I'm not an artist that repeats herself. I don't do that. I don't make the same, you know, still life in another color. That's an enormous question. It is such a good question that for 35 years I've been writing about it. And um, I just got a book contract. And that might not seem like a lot to you, but it's a lot to me. What's it about? Well, it is, it is a memoir. But it started when I stopped painting. And I, I got a painting block that was enormous. Oh. You've had a writer's block. But before that, a painting block would last a day or two. Three days at the most. This damn thing lasted for two years. I couldn't paint. And I started to write and say, why can't I paint? What's going on? What's going on? And uh, I had all these notes, which has become a book. But at the end of those two years, I picked up a piece of clay that was in my studio closet. And I started to sculpt. That's how it started. Now, why this happened, why we do what we do when we do it, that's profound. Uh, I think it had to do somewhere with my daughter, Melissa. Uh, you know, uh, well, you know, Dan, I have two daughters, one of whom is autistic. Yes, I know. And I don't know if I was making the perfect, you know, my sculptures had beautiful bodies. They're like, they're, they're intelligent. They're, I, I wanted the perfection. And was I recreating something? Was I dealing with the pain of the past? A lot, a lot, a lot is in the book. Why we do what we do when we do What's it. What's the title of the book you're doing? Well, so far the title is The Luck of the Draw. I see. I don't know what you think of that, but the publisher suggested something um, called... When is it due? It may be yellow, which is what Fran I said to Franz Klein, you know, do you ever think of using color? And he said, maybe yellow. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think that's enough for the book. But the luck of the draw, my mother was a gambler. You know, I'm a poker player. I don't know. What do you think of the title? I think it could work, but I think there could be a better one. Uh... 
Oh, give me one, Dan. Let me see. Uh, it just happened. That's one. It just happened? Yes. There's double meaning too. It, uh, it just happened just now or it just happened over time and you don't know why. And it's all about creativity. I don't know, I think, I think those things tend to be in the background of our lives and we try and pin it on something. Uh, I do the same thing. If I only did this, not, that would not have happened. Uh, it's kind of hard to think of it any other way. What about, what do you think of art and other miracles? I like that too. That is a miracle. And I think, I think what you do is a miracle. Uh, talk, talk about, talk about the, the, uh, this iconic figure that you've been working with that's beautiful, largely, uh, I don't know what the right word is, uh, not just, it's, it's not of one, creed it's one of it's an every woman it's always a woman and they're all beautiful and they can be the mix that we're now finding today in america of, of all the different uh, creeds that exist but talk about that in spite if you want to talk about how uh, well I, actually I, I i do sculpt only women i just did one man just did a head of Holofernes, um, who's having his head cut off. Well, it's probably to the rule. But um, I don't know. You know, I started not consciously, not saying I'm not going to sculpt men, or it wasn't like that. It just happened. It just happened. Um, I think if you talk about the ideal, if you talk about Plato, you know, what is it, the true, the good, the beautiful, um, we have so much else out there now. We have so much damage and strain and illness and global warming and floods, fires, COVID. By the way, and I'll, <clears throat> I just did this painting, Days of Reckoning, which is based on the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I deal with those subjects. But I think if you do it in a way that is transcendent, if you painted or sculpted in a way that is so magnificent, it overrides the pain. And I think it's always been that way. I think it's always been that way. I think great art delivers messages that you don't have to recoil. You know, if, it, if, if art throws itself on you and bangs you over the head and assaults you, maybe it gets its message through momentarily. Yes. But are you gonna to wanna to stand next to it and, and you know, 
be close to it for a long time. I don't think so. Well, you move on, I guess. I, yeah, I think it's important. You know, these days, it's so interesting, Dan, what's going on now. This revolution, this revolution that we have. This, that everywhere, certainly in art, where everyone's an artist, everyone can express themselves, everyone expresses their pain. And we're just being bombarded with it. And a lot of it is very important to come out. But what takes you out of this profane moment into something that makes, for me, makes life worth living? Well, like David. David? The sculptor. Michelangelo's David? Yes. I think but that... I think that is an example of what you're talking about. In what way? I think it has to do with the celebration of humanity and beauty in terms oh, yeah. of, of, the, of the nature of the human race. Otherwise, it makes no sense. But that, that's what does make sense to me when, anyway. That's how I see it. Well, there's um, I, I don't know. There's an artist named Grunewald, a German, probably 15th century, who who made a painting that's one of the greatest paintings in all of art history, and it's a crucifixion. I went to Colmar to visit it just to see that painting. I made a pilgrimage, and the painting is one of the most hideous paintings you ever want to see. It's, it's Christ on the cross and he's pockmarked and he's bleeding and he's pustuled and his chest has caved in. I mean, it is, but it is painted in such a way that it transcends the horror. So you're, you're standing there looking at these gnarled fingers and his blood dripping and his pockmarked body. And, uh, but, you're, but you're transported. Um, it, it, he did it. And a lot of works of art do it. I think we need that now. I think there are artists out there that are trying to do it. There are a lot of artists that are just spilling their guts. Yeah. I don't know, can that happen in writing as easily as it can happen in the visual arts? I think so. Um, some of the great works of literature transport you. Uh, I'm right now reading uh, Moby Dick and uh -huh. uh, it's, uh, I, I concluded it's a great book for the masses. And it's a great book because of the narrator's intelligence. And the, the narrator is Queequeg, who's uh, a uh, member of the crew. And uh, it brings you out to what they do, is descriptions of what the boat is about and what the towns are like were like back then that were whaling towns are just transporting amazing 
And, it's been uh, wonderful. It's out of, out of your house in East Hampton, somewhere else. Yes, and I think that's what that's what we do. But we we're going to have to end this in a little while. I guess we have about oh about four more minutes, five minutes. So is there ah. something else you'd like to discuss? We could this we could talk about for a long time. And uh, anything well? Are you playing music? Uh, yes, I have a, I'm playing piano, and um, uh, the uh, auto harp is resting quietly. How about you? Are you playing music? I have to get my auto harp restrung. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm I'm into swing. I'm into nineteen. 1940s swing. I want to tell our uh, listeners that of any place that I've been out here, uh, I've never come across a home where every couple of weeks or months there's a, an assemblage of people who perform as they used to do in Austria in the late 19th century. And um, it's quite, uh, these are gatherings of 20 people or so, and you've been doing them for many, many years, and I've come to many of them. And I've often admired that you've done that, and they're doing that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not doing it much anymore, but you, the first one I went to was on your houseboat. Oh, that's a long time ago. Remember that? That was what, 45 years ago? Maybe, yes, that's about right. You don't forget. You had, had these jam sessions on your houseboat. Yes. And that's where I met Jean Thornton, who was the photography great for the times. And uh, I was so afraid to play, but I did. I was wonderful. Yes, it was. I still remember you there. You're, you sing loud. Well, thank you for being on this, this podcast. I hope you feel better. And uh, I'll be seeing you soon. I'm talking to Audrey Flack, the painter. And you have something coming up on uh, Labor Day weekend. What is that? On Labor Day weekend, there's a fair. There's a Southampton art fair. And on my gallery, Hollis Tiger, has a booth with my work in it. There'll be actually, there'll be a very large painting that I did in 1959 called The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And there'll be earlier abstract expressionist work. So oh. everybody should go to that fair. It sounds like a very exciting fair with a lot of interesting artwork. I'll be there if you will. Okay. All right, I'll see you then. And thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Nice to see you. Bye. Bye.